0: The Tragical History of Plan the Nine is sponsored by the Revival League, bringing old-time radio back to life, and the Dino Hotel, the pride of Lakewood, Colorado.
1: This play is rated parental guidance age 13 and up. Parents are strongly cautioned. Some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. You are listening to a holiday special presentation from the Independence Broadcasting System. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at IBS. In
2: 1564 was born a bard, whose words and days of yore were avant-garde. Now gather we in global brotherhood, to celebrate the work of good at wood A scary show of saucers and suspense You'll barely notice that it makes no sense A sham program, no ma'am, the wit's damn quick And delivered in pentameter, I am big. So Knight, Electro guns and cools A military plan, a ship of fools whose occupants want only to say hi, and we the Earthlings be stupid,
3: stupid. Now come along with me, what magic we will see, the tragical history of planet
4: It's Tuesday, March 24, 1959. Good evening. I'm Chetley Bricklestick, Cultural Director at IBS. You are listening to Opusodion, this network's vain attempt to heighten the intellectual discourse in this increasingly illiterate country. And don't even get me started on television. Oh, radio isn't good enough for America anymore, is it? Can't let your imagination paint the scene like your parents did. No, you'd rather sit in your underwear, beer in hand, and stare stupidly at I Love Lucy while your brain cells die off by the billions. Well, f*** all of you. This is a radio show, so suck it up. Tonight we proudly present the second part of Edward Wood's The Tragical History of Plan the Ninth. This play will attempt to take you worthless Philistines and transport you back in time when our mortal bard, Edward D. Wood Jr., trod the boards in the theaters along the south bank of the Thames. To set the tone of our government-mandated, elevated content, even our commercials will harken back to Edwardian times, when Queen Elizabeth herself reigned over jolly old England. And now, once again, we turn to noted Edwardian scholar Colonel Ryan D. Smith to provide us with some background on Edward and his world.
5: Thank you, Chetley. You know, there's actually some controversy over whether Edward D. Wood Jr. actually wrote the plays attributed to him.
4: Really? How fascinating.
5: Yes, there's a contingent out there that insists that Wood simply didn’t have the education or talent to write such nuanced work. These anti-Edwoodians, as they call themselves, attribute Wood's work to an obscure actor from the Lord Chamberlain's men named Bill Shakespeare..
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what some people will believe. Indeed. But Colonel, what on earth would give them such a ludicrous idea?
5: I don't know, actually. I think it's something to do with Wood and Shakespeare both having a a secretary named Kennedy or some bullshit like that. Uh, At any rate, on with the show. Last week, if you'll recall, we learned that alien invaders had landed on Earth and begun to reanimate the dead as part of their fiendish conquest of humanity. As the dead began to rise, flying saucers were seen in the skies across the country. A military man, Colonel Edwards had even engaged them in combat, but to no avail. We now travel to the Pentagon, where Colonel Edwards' superior, General Roberts, is about to give the Colonel some terrifying news. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we begin part the two of Edwards' masterpiece, with Act the Four, Scene the Seven.
6: But meanwhile, in the mighty
5: Pentagon... Criswell, hey, Criswell, I've already set that up. What? I said I've already set that up. No need for a chorus yet. You can go for now.
6: God damn it, I have one job. Oh look, here come General Roberts and Colonel Edwards. I'll be waiting backstage.
5: And they call you amazing.
7: Oh, welcome, most valiant Colonel Edwards. Moreover, that I did much long to see you. The need I have to use you did provoke my hasty sending. Thou hast been on tap for many of these damned saucer attacks.
8: Good sir, for field
7: operations
8: do I have charge. Therefore, tis true, I have indeed full many times these discs in combat dared. Believest thou there are such things?
7: Yes, sir. Hast thou seen them? E'en as I now see thee. Thou knowest there's a government command that states such fanciful and childish tales are not to be thought on. In few, Colonel. No saucers do exist, so say our lords. Good general, I know the policy. And stance thou by thy word that thou hast seen these airy visions which such mighty powers pronounce but brainish fantasy and lies. I do. Thou know'st thee may be straight cashiered for this, admitting what thee've seen against command.
8: Oh, give me leave, my worthy general. I'll speak my mind, and if I give offense, let the great axe fall. Why speak then, Colonel? Sir, have I not eyes? Do I not see thee sitting before me? Cannot I tell a hawk from a handsaw? My eyes, like thine, do gather the world's light, and for my brain paint portrait of the truth. Should I not believe in that which I've seen, at which I've loosed the cannon's fury, sir? If I believe not that, then I'm no soldier. And thus take ye from me my proud command, the pomp, great moment, and ceremony, to which my warish fame entitle me, the fife, the drum, and men's most reverent awe, which earned I by my service to the crown. All this do strip from me, and turn me out, a beggar, to starve in the filthy street. Do doubt mine eye, or to equivocate. When I do know what's truth, oh, never, sir. If lies be honor's cost, why then, I'll none. For when dear honor lies, she is undone.
7: In faith, good
8: colonel, I do like thee well. Most humbly do I thank thee, General. I
7: shall study deserving. These flying saucers which you've seen, Colonel, are solid as the floor on which we stand. Indeed, we've contact with their pilots made.
8: Oh, wonderful news! That can so astonish.
7: Oh, pray, how contacted? By radio. Speak they our tongue? Alas, no such luck there. At first their babble we could not translate. But since our first contact, we have developed a language computer. A great machine that breaks down any language to our own.
8: Well, that's convenient.
7: Aye, Mary, it is. O General, what's this to do with me? Since thou hast charge of field activity regarding saucers, this thou should straight hear. Their message, new recorded, dost thou mind?
8: Haste me to know it, good my lord. Let me not burst in ignorance, but play
9: this strange recording from another world. To you of Earth. My name is Eros called, and I, a soldier from another world that floats far across the vasty deeps of space. Earthmen, I know our tongue you speaketh not, but, too, I know that thou hast finally built the dictorobotary, as we called, to which you term a language computer. So you now understand that which I speak. And ere the dim beginnings of your time Full far beyond your planet we have been, for centuries it's taken you to grasp the wonders we developed long ago. And to thy childish minds, the commonplace, space flight, or turkey sausage, for example, are yet the very wonders of the age. Is Earth so arrogant that you do think your planet is the solitary isle in all the great and teeming sea of space, whose soil gives purchase for the rise of life? Ho, <laughs> How can any race be so stupid? Fear not, for we come not as conquerors. Had your end been our aim, we'd long ago have left the earth a cinder. No earth men. Our purpose here is friendly. True it is, that means we've used, thou might think villainous, but only because thou hast fired on us when we did come to parley. Very well. If thou persist in firing on our ships, with warlike fury we shall answer thee. Thou dost force us thy planet to destroy, that thou mayst not one day do like to us. Thy childish minds have dire explosives made, too fast for thee responsibly to use, and soon thou mayst the universe destroy. Of that wide universe we are a part, and so...
2: And
7: thus does the recording end. In space... Conditions very often interfere with transmission of messages, I fear. Think you they are in earnest, General? That's risk we can't afford to take, Colonel. For sure these beings have at their command such power as could destroy the very Earth. Oh, brave new world, that has such people in it. Hast thou, dear Colonel, been to Hollywood?
8: Oh, long ago, sir, in my
7: vanished youth. You'll be there while tomorrow is but young, for I would have thee hence this very night. The town of San Fernando sits hard by, and from that town we have on good report that saucers flying low have been observed, yea, so low as to knock people to the ground. We've even heard report of saucers landing. To thee, brave Edwards, do I give this charge. Find thou the saucers, find out what they want, the very race of man on thee depends.
8: This charge I do accept, it shall be so. To save the earth, to Hollywood I go.
5: The Eight, on board Space Station Seven, the alien ruler Eros and Tana enter. My
9: liege, we here stand ready to report. Thou tardy art.
10: Full many days have I expected thy report upon the earth. And for as many days have feasted I upon the chameleon's dish, I ate the air and
9: starved for want of
10: knowledge.
9: My lord t'was unavoidable. Our televisor, by atmosphere's conditions sorely plagued, could make transmissions none, and so we came in person to deliver our report. Thou wouldst have
10: practiced patience, wert thou wise, and when permitted by atmospheric
9: conditions, made thy full transmission then. We thought time of the essence, good my lord. Suspicion hath upon our movements fallen, and at the very point of operations have our ships been espied. And what gained you in all this extra time? My lord, of the dead ones, we've risen three. Indeed. Then bring one forth. And let me see. Dear Tana, do the larger one bring in. Use your electrode gun. But have a care. Thou dost not for an instant lose control. For San's control, he can't tell us apart from those whom we have deigned our enemies. And swoopstake, he'll attack both friend and foe. Here now,
10: Eros, for thus is my decree. Of ships in your command, I take off two. But that leaves only my ship, my dread lord. It's necessary that thou this thy mission continue to pursue in solitude. Of thy other ships, I have
9: need elsewhere. Oh, wouldst thou use me thus? Look, sir, my wounds. I got them in my country's service when some certain of your brethren roared and ran from the noise of our own drums. Good service I've given. Why then must my command be thus reduced? Good Eros, I doubt
10: not thy loyalty. But though of the earth dead, you've risen three. Yet this thy plan is far from a success. Thou, Eros, must the worth of thy plan prove with greater shows, ere I'll thy ships return.
9: Oh, fear me not, my lord, I shall not fail. For surely everything is on our side. Forgetful, Eros. Show not everything. For thou still
10: lack'st the living of the earth. And sayest thou that thy ship hath been seen at point of operations? Aye, my lord. A mote this is to trouble the mind's eye. For sure, full many times hath we been seen, but never seen upon the very point of operation. Something must be done.
5: Tana re-enters with electrode gun drawn, leading Clay. But something is wrong. Clay immediately advances on Eros, murder in his eye.
9: Oh, stop him, Tana! Your electrode gun put up, or else he'll crush the life from me! Advance thee still, thou giant, from the grave! Then woe to Eros! Stop him, Tana! Stop him! Alack! For the electrode gun is jammed! I
11: cannot stop the giant's fell attack! My love, Eros, farewell! I'll mourn for thee.
5: Clay attacks Eros, and they grapple, but Eros is all but powerless against the giant.
9: Thy mourning can but doubtful physic give, but pluck this giant's hands from round my throat, of uh, uh, my gratitude.
10: O oh, thy electrode gun, throw down. Thus cast away, the contact will it break?
5: The instant the electrode gun hits the ground. Clay ceases his attack and stands at rest. <sighs> Alack,
9: of my own life I had
10: despaired. Bring thou the giant here that I may see. Indeed, a most fine specimen he is. On all of Earth as mighty as this one, who, like unto a dead star's neutron core,
9: has mass which passeth all understanding. My lord, this one is very large indeed unusual among his fellow men, who in both height and breadth approach him not. And what are the others you have raised? My lord, one is an aged man, the other a woman of surpassing vampirism. An aged man, sayst thou? Oh yes, my lord. I have a plan.
11: The large one put away.
9: Be thou sure that thy gun does work aright, before thou aimst it at him once again.
11: Fear not. Its ill was mended by the
9: fall. Then take thou him back to our ship at once. The
10: old one must be sacrificed, Eros, and that in such a way as to amaze. This old man sendest thou in unto a house, and then cut thee off thy electrode ray, and thy disintegrator aim at him. Result of this, these earthlings shall astound, for we shall sow them fear in a handful of dust and thus, in their confusion, their delay. And in the upshot, thou shalt have more time to gather thee an army of the dead, without harassment from the Earth's defenders. Yes, Excellency. It shall straight be done. Report to me when this has been accomplished. Good Eros, the Earth people do approach the knowledge that we fear for them to have. And since our existence they'll not believe, nor listen to our peaceful entreaties, so force we their attention by these means. Our powers they will fear when these their dead do squeak and gibber in their city streets. As soon as thou hast risen those thou needst, upon Earth's capitals with them do march. Thus we with corpses their complacence kill, and force these wayward Earthers to our
0: will. And now a brief and historic word from our sponsors. Edward Woods' The Tragical History of Plan the Nine will be back right after these Elizabethan messages.
12: Your Majesty, those ill-tempered Scots are brandishing their hineys outside the castle walls again. It looks like they're preparing to
11: attack. Fetch the Royal Scots Guard. Fetch the Royal Scots Guard. Shh.
13: Scotsguard is the most trusted way to repel those skirt-wearing, caber-tossing, haggis-sucking Scottish scum from usurping your rightful throne. But don't take my word for it. Listen to this satisfied customer.
11: Hello, commoners. This is good Queen Bess. When my conniving cousin, Mary of Scots, conspired with those filthy French to overthrow me and install a... Catholic in my place, I reached for Scotsguard, packed full of good old Protestant military might. Scotsguard protects your stronghold from rebellious northern earls, assassination plots, and even papal persecution. Without Scotsguard, I could have never imprisoned that adulterous challenger to my throne and then later had her publicly executed. Also, it's perfect for waterproofing your ski pants.
13: Thanks, Queenie, for that credible testimonial. So remember, when it's kill or be killed, trust Scott's Guard available wherever aerosol militias are sold.
14: Be you a Benedict whose temperament be out of whack, or a Beatrice whose joy hath faded from your veneer, If you find yourself star-crossed and ill-tempered, making much ado about nothing, then consider the healing and stimulating nature of Friar Francis's monastic retreat. (laughs) Whether ye be lord of the manor or innkeeper to the commoner, a person requires a moment for balance. For to strange souls, strangely they strain the cure. As long as thy mind be willing, (laughs) and thy purse be flush, thy body shall surely yield to our attention, while tucked away from prying eyes. What occurs at Friar Francis's monastic retreat stays at Friar Francis's monastic retreat. (laughs) We offer a variety of delightful pastimes to entice thy every appetite, including, but not limited to, the Rack. To work out all those little kinks and finish with head held higher than before, our guests have recorded up to nearly one hands worth of growth from merely one session. Monk massage with horsetail whip and hot vesper's candle wax for treatment of maladies ranging from hysteria to hemorrhoids. A soothing sting and tingle administered by our juicy Jesuits, indesirous Dominicans, and bootilicious Benedictines (laughs) that is much favored by the noble class hair shirt exfoliating straight from the spanish inquisition torture chambers of king philip ii simultaneously mortify your flesh and remove dead skin these godly ways cannot be wrong and you shall love the high that comes with it and lastly yet not least At Friar Francis's monastic retreat, with a large abbey of lusty nuns nearby, the word in our book is celebrate, not celibate. So don't be a doofus or a dogberry and pass by this offer. Please stop by and ring the gate bell out on Old Back Passage Lane to schedule your special time. (laughs) See you soon. (laughs)
15: I'm Celebrity Scholar Maid Lady Boolean Childs, and I'm here to tell you about my new oh-so-convenient Instant Pie Kits. If there's one thing we English do, well, it's pies. So here's a little number I first whipped up at a banquet for Bess of Hardwick, a classic starry-gazzy pie created with your convenience in mind. Why, you'll be done with this pie kit in just 14 hours, not three days. Each handy-dandy pie kit arrives at your country estate via donkey cart, laden with fresh vegetables. The cart contains a lit fire and cauldron, small brick chimney, mechanical ballows, iron tongs, and pot grain. A sack of flour, a sack of onions, a small chicken coop with egg-laying hens, mortar and pestle, rolling pin, rasher of bacon, barrel of seawater filled with live pilched sardines. Put your block in a hanging pot rack positively loaded with razor-sharp gutting knives. Simply take a wriggling and still-alive pilchards and slice open their bellies and rip out the entrails. You might get a little bloody and fishy in this step. Give each sardine a good scraping to remove their scales and with your butcher knife, chop off their heads! Be sure to save those fish heads for later. Then layer the fish in, with breadcrumbs and cover with eggs and bacon rushes, and chop over with a layer of thick, gooey English pie pastry. Garnish liberally with those fish heads. The fish heads pop out of the crust and will stare accusingly back at you while you eat. Bake till golden brown and et voila! Sorry, gazy pie. Why, you'll have a tone bow Eve to remember. We now have kits available in new flavors, like Live Swan and Baby Rabbit. So order your Instant Pie kit today. This is Lady Boulding and Child saying, dig in!
1: You are listening to a holiday special presentation of Edward Woods, The Tragical History of Plan the Nine, Part The Two, from the Independence Broadcasting System. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at IBS. And now we return to our regularly scheduled program.
5: We now take you again to the Trent's Back Garden. Enter Jeff and Paula Trent, Colonel Edwards, Lieutenant Harper, and Patrolman Kelton. Patrolman, stand thee off and keep the watch.
12: It shall be done, Lieutenant.
5: Many
2: thanks. Good sir and Lady Trent, may I present brave Colonel Edwards, in from Washington.
16: Good in Colonel.
3: Most welcome to our home. In this, my wife's glad welcome, I do join. May heaven make us useful to thy purpose. For this thy welcome, I do give thee thanks. Now, Trent's.
8: I understand that thou didst see one of these flying saucers which I seek, and thou, my lady, hotly was pursued by some strange creatures through the cemetery that sits hard by thy house, and thus I beg that you tell over this dreadful tale to me.
16: To tell it were to live it yet again, and quake my body with remembered frights. But were these gashes healing on my feet again to open and weep bloody tears at recall of their wounding still, I'd tell thee. For thou art so grave in thy fierce pursuit, were greater risk, I do think, not to tell. I, tis so. Then thus much the business is. Three days since, in the very deep of night, my Jeff, then being gone, and I alone, comes here a very ghoulish apparition, with cloak drawn round his face, as if to hide some disresemblance to another man. This ghoul did make advance upon my person, and I, alarmed, fled into the night, but he pursued, so hot upon my heels, he seemed at every corner I did round indeed so closely did he follow that at times i would be sworn he was two men at last my fear triumphing i did swoon and woke attended by the good lieutenant who told me father calderd rescued me the danger o'er, he brought me home again and thus does end my tale my very blood does run cold at the mere retelling sir
8: i blame ye not for in thy mere echo of these events I understand thy fright. Indeed, your telling of this tale doth cause my knotted and combined locks to part, and each particular hair to stand and end like quills upon the fretful porcupine. But one thing more, I pray, when thou didst see the flying saucer, and were knocked to earth by the blast of wind that followed in its wake, was that wind
3: hot or cold? It neither was. Nor hot, nor cold, but only mighty force that pinned
16: us to the ground. And blinding light that robbed us of our sight till it had passed. That glare at last bedimmed, we looked skyward and saw a glowing ball speeding away.
3: In what direction, pray?
16: Toward the churchyard.
8: By troth, this tale hath much amazed me.
3: As I do live, my honored lord, tis true.
8: Its truth is what amazes, my good sir, for I do doubt it not.
2: Of that churchyard do we have much suspicion. Of late, unwholesome things have occurred there. And yet, thus far, mere scuttlings do we have. No proof or fact on which to base. But, soft, did thou not hear? Methought I heard a sound, a scuttling in the gloomy darkness yonder. Good Kilton,
12: seest thou anything at all? Lieutenant, it's too dark. But in my nose come odors
3: foul. Oh, something is out there!
5: And now, out of the darkness strides the young old man. The, the, the second one. You know, the second guy, not Bella. Yeah.
16: Alack, he is returned!
5: Meanwhile, Eros and Hanna, aboard their mighty spaceship, watch all on a view screen.
9: See how the humans are afeared, my love. Their fear to wonder very soon shall turn.
5: The old man advances on patrolman Kelton, who draws and fires to no effect. The old man strikes Kelton down and advances on the rest. Lieutenant Harper draws and fires to no effect. And now our
9: ruler's plan will I effect. Disintegration Ray, now to thy work.
5: Oh, I am slain! The old man exits, staggering as a skeleton wearing an identical cloak is thrown onto the stage. The effect is flawless.
2: What makest thou of that?
5: I am lost in it. An instant
2: since, these bones were clothed in flesh. But soft you now, I had forgot good Kelton. He stirs, he will soon be again himself.
12: Oh, didst thou see that thing? Didst thou get it?
2: Peace, patrolman. The spectre is no more.
12: Alack, it did not fall, though I did fire with every deadly bullet I possessed.
2: And so did I, with like paltry effect. I know not what did happen, but unless, like the dry bones to which Ezekiel did in the valley prophecy, these bones can themselves reassemble. It is done.
8: Let's to the cemetery with all haste, that we perchance may find the head and source of this mistake of nature lately slain. For I'll not sleep till this affair is done, and these invaders from space roundly checked.
3: Ay, no more shall this affair I tolerate. These aliens may jest with this rude prank, but this their mock shall mock them to their graves. Yea, mock their very spaceships from the sky." God's wounds, I tell these spacemen to their teeth. Thou hast on the wrong planet turned thy gaze. This trick shall savor but of shallow wit when more aliens weep than did laugh at it. So to the cemetery lets away. This night shall end in death. For we or they.
5: Our brave adventurers... Now arrive at the night-shrouded graveyard. Ah,
2: to this grim churchyard so oft have I been. Tis as though I had leased it for my home.
5: I hope the lease a short one,
8: good lieutenant, for full soon we arriveth here to stay, to linger here is not meet whilst we're yet quick.
2: Thou speakest truth, my colonel. Yet I feel the answer to this dreadful mystery lies here among memorializing stone. Shall
8: the girl be safe
2: here?
16: Girl, I'm thirty-eight.
2: Oh, Lady Trent, do wait you by the car.
16: Alone? Not on thy life. Pish,
2: modern women.
8: Ay, truly have they been thus difficult, all through the ages.
16: I'm standing right here. Good captain. Yes, my
2: lord? Stay thou upon this spot with Lady Trent, and look thou keep a most observant watch.
16: It shall be done,
2: my
3: lord, upon my life. Do stay you with the officer, my dear.
16: Ay, truly as thy wife, will I submit though safer would I feel were I with you. Lieutenant Harper
3: knows best, my dear love.
16: Well, I do like it not, but I suppose my womanish exterior doth mean to tyranny of men, must I submit. O spirits of the brave, unsex me here. Were I a man this adventure to share, you'd find me made of sterner stuff than thee. But I cannot become a man with wishing, therefore must I die a woman with grieving.
3: Tis not thy bravery I doubt, dear Paula, but mine own. Or if something should occur that bringeth harm to thee, I were undone. And then should I be woman, and salt the earth with the effeminate tears of my grief. I pray you,
16: Paula, stay. I shall perforce. Thy asking not my sex doth stay my course. Brave Jeff, hast thou a pistol about thee?
3: Nay, good lieutenant. Canst thou use this one? Lieutenant, fear me not. For full four years toiled I in arms, my country to defend. Take thou this pistol, then and let's
2: away to desecrated grave of Daniel Clay.
3: Expectest thou to find
2: something in this place? To that but one answer do I have, sir. We shall, I hope, know it when we find it. Look, yonder lies the grave of valiant clay.
8: The grave, Harper, thou saidst was broken to?
2: Aye, the very one.
8: Tis more like, I do think, that yonder grave was broken out of from within. For see, its earthen sides are all beclawed and gashed, as if some clutching fingers had climbed
2: out. Oh, Colonel, think you not such childish thoughts. These are but idle toys of thy own brain, for there are things in heaven and in earth that simply cannot happen.
8: Say you so? "'Has thou forgot already the grim bones "'that do bedeck the Trent's back porch Eden now? "'That apparition, Harper, does my mind prepare for anything?
2: "'Does not it yours?' "'My world is facts, good Colonel, iron facts. "'But sure, I must my own two eyes believe, "'and being that I now in wonders flow, "'the smallest twine shall lead me. "'That's a way, and so to earth my disbelief I cast.' For of those weirdies, we've not seen the last. Weirdies?
5: Yes. Meanwhile, in the spaceship, Eros and Tana see all over the viewscreen.
9: The humans will discover soon our ship. And
11: would you let them find us, good my lord? All our dark secrecy and stealthy measures employed to avert this very thing, you'd set for naught?
9: It is the only way, for these men are the same who have so oft come close to discovering our whereabouts. They must be silenced, else they'll tell more men, and full soon upon us ten thousand strong would fall at once. Even with our great strength, destruction would be sure. No, this must be. Let these men come and let them leave ne'er more.
11: But there are others, arrows at yon
9: car. Those two shall we also constrain betimes. Send thou the giant we have raised, Hannah, to fetch at once the watchman and the girl. Girl? She's thirty-eight. Peace! See it done while I do activate the dictorobitary. By its grace, converse we with these earthmen face to face.
12: Thus go into the world all but I, and I must by this car expend my time, and why? What cause? Why to a woman guard? Am I a palace eunuch used thus?
16: Thou knowest I can hear thee, thou varlet.
5: Suddenly, a ghoulish giant materializes from the darkness. It's Inspector Clay, raised from the dead by the sinister alien's resurrection beam. He advances upon Kelton and Paula.
12: What horror in mine eyes! Inspector Clay, my former master, risen from the grave! (laughs) Alas, I am undone.
16: Oh, impotent watchman so soon dispatched, alack, I swoon.
5: With Kelton laid low, Clay takes the unconscious Paula in his arms and begins to bear her away. Now go I
17: to my master with his prize. But soft. Is this the face that launched a thousand ships and burnt the topless towers of Ilium? Sweet Paula, make me immortal with a kiss. O Paula, thou art fair. Behold, thou art fair. Thy cheek is like unto a cloth of silk. Thy lips the petals of some medicine flower, whose sweetness is a physic to all plaints, and from those lips I'll drink and be renewed. O oh, Paula, Paula, thou art surely Helen. Thy pilot husband is rude Menelaus who hast thee, but appreciates thee not. O oh, sweetest Paula, fly with me, I pray. I will be Paris, and for love of thee Instead of Troy, shall all L.A. be sacked. And for thee I shall fight a thousand men. Yea, even Eros, whom I owe my life. That Priam who sires, with quickening rays, this shadow half-life that I do lead now. Een here I'll strike down Paula, if thou wish. Yea, I'd strike the sun if it offended thee. Soft, tis my fellow ghoul, Vampyra.
16: Thou tardy blubber, bring thee forth a the girl. Our master waits,
18: and yet thou dallyest.
17: Nay, Vampira, my sister of the night, cruel Eros may not have the pilot's wife, for she and me hath waked a loving heart, and by yon moon I shall not part with her.
18: There's Kentucky Fried Chicken in the ship.
17: Farewell, Paula, t'was nice while it did last. Now, to my master I deliver thee, for Chicken Bucket, My reward shall be.
0: And now a brief and historic word from our sponsors. Edward Wood's The Tragical History of Plan the Nine will be back right after these Elizabethan messages. Mmm. Hey, all you strong, strapping Puritan menfolk. I'm Charity Goodwife down at the local Puritan knocking shop, and I'm here to talk dirty pilgrim to you until you're begging for holy salvation. You can come and listen to my Puritan smut line any day. Just stand outside my window, leaded glass ajar, And listen to me whisper my strong work ethic in modest tones. Ooh, for a fivepence, I'll read from the Bay Psalms book. For a shilling, I'll talk about dancing roundels, or ripped sleeves, or silk finery, or even (sighs) wearing sacramental vestments during Eucharist just like a naughty Anglican or Catholic would. For a pound, I'll shine your little shoe buckles. For two pounds, we can kneel and pray together to be spared everlasting damnation and a reprieve from the wrath of God's throne, All while you do nothing and touch nothing in a steaming haze of pious confusion and frustration. Whipping, weeping, and begging for forgiveness are forbidden. There will be no pleasure. Why? Because you're a pilgrim. Remember, Charity Goodwife's my name, and try my Puritan smut line. I'll be praying for you.
13: Oi, I'm bored. We should catch a cockfight today. Nay, I'd give all my fame for a pot of ale instead. Why not have the best of both worlds? Let's go to Tudor's.
18: Hello, my lords. Welcome to Tudor's, table for two. Here at Tudor's, everything is as you like it. The beer is always cold, the wings are always hot, and our comely Tudor girls are always hotter.
13: Look at the boobos on that one in the tight bodice. I Mary, she's built like a brick privy. And that wench yonder, she's riddled with the French pox. Her bosom is falser than vows made in wine. All the same, I'd make the beast with two backs with her any day.
18: Freshen your ale, sire. Here at Tudor's, we feature live cockfights each and every day. And, completely unrelated, we also serve the freshest chicken wings in all of East Cheap. <coughs> Order up! Hello, and welcome to Tudor's. Table for one, my lord.
7: Yeah, I'm a dying need of help with my alchemy studies.
18: Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not that kind of Tudor's.
7: Oh, my mistake. Have a fine day, then.
18: So next time thou art thirsty, or looking to lie between a maiden's chicken's legs, come on down to Tudor's, where the pleasant fountains lie, delightfully cankerous, yet quarantined.
15: Good morrow! I'm Celebrity scullery made Lady Boolean Childs, And I'm here to tell you about my new oh-so-convenient instant pie kits. Here's a dish I first concocted for Sir Francis Bacon, the father of empiricism. And as a meal, you had to see it to believe it. It's wild boar and honey pie. You make it in 187 easy steps and not 477 time-consuming ones. Each handy-dandy pie kit arrives at your manor house via donkey cart laden with fresh ingredients. The cart contains a cage with a fresh, acorn-fed, succulent wild boar, a straw beehive full of angry honeybees, a winch and tripod and hog-slaughtering kit, a turning spit with a kin of dogs trying to run on a circular treadmill to keep the spit rotating, and all the standard burlap sacks to make my fresh, extra-tough English pie pastry. This crust is as tough as iron. Now to get started, simply hoist your wild boar on the tripod by its hind legs. Be sure to avoid being gored by its tusks. Grab the slaughtering knife and slit the boar's throat. You might want to wear a leather apron for this step and invite small children in to watch. It can get a little messy. Save the blood for later if you're going to make blood sausage. With lit oak branches, sear off all the boar's hair, and with your butcher's tools, rip out its internal organs. While the boar is roasting on a nice hot spit, spun by the trained dogs, don your beekeeper suit, grab your smoker, and retrieve some fresh honeycomb from your beehive. Slather the natural bee sweetness on the musty, gamey skin of the boar, and add our signature herb and spice packet. After you carve the roasted boar, lay its various organs on a pie pan with some butter and bake until golden brown. Perfect hot or cold, day or night, comedy or tragedy. So simple, so easy, and if you're feeling extra ambitious, you can cook the dogs and donkeys as well. We now have kits available in new flavors, like pigeon and roe deer. So order your instrument pie kit today. This is Lady Boolean and Child saying, Dig in!
1: You are listening to a holiday special presentation of Edward Woods, The Tragical History of Plan the Nine, Part The Two, from the Independence Broadcasting System. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at IBS. And now we return to our regularly scheduled program.
5: We rejoin our story on board the alien spaceship as Santana observe our hero's progress on their view screen.
9: The humans do approach. Soon will they be the first Earthmen to board a celestial ship.
2: O, oh, soft friends, what great ship doth tarry here? Mine eyes full fifty years upon this world have bended their light, belike never to see. Oh, how hid this titan ship for so long within the small confines of this clearing, this vast and silver disk at rest in here, among these trees as if the blessed moon, by mercy of her celestial jailer, Paroled from her sphery prison was, and, in thanks to the petitioner that freed her, came thence earthward to bless this nightish grove with the silver softness of her gentle light.
3: It's big and silver's what thou mean'st to say?
2: Ay, marry, but more prettily than that. (laughs) This strange
8: metal doth ring most hollowly, with unfamiliar sound. What seest thou through yonder porthole? But mine
2: own reflection.
8: How dost thou enter such a ship as
3: this? Perchance twould be to our rue to find out. Dear
9: Tanna, open thou the outer hatch.
3: Look where a portal doth materialize! Oh, goest thou into this strange spacecraft? Aye, and thou too. That's what we did come for. These ships do move like winged mercury. The pilot so desiring, this ship could ascend from Earth with such rapidity that we should find ourselves among the stars, ere yet we knew this vessel had Tay flight. Aye, tis a chance we take. Now, let's go in.
11: They're in the outer chamber even now, and approacheth our command deck. Good Eros, must we kill them? We've no choice.
9: It seemeth such a waste. Aye, that it is. But be it not better, a few of these earth creatures to kill now, than to let them, by their meddling, destroy the universe.
11: Dear Eros, thou art
9: right. Aye, dearest Hannah, but they're not my words. Our most dear ruler spake them first to me.
5: But now the spaceship door is thrown open, and Jeff, Edwards, and Harper rush in, guns at the ready.
2: Oh, thou base, unworthy, otherworldly dogs! Thou resurrectors of the buried dead, thou scurvy, skeletonizing, plague-sores! Thou owners of no one good quality. I'd beat thee, but I would infect my hands. And therefore, up with thine, I jest not swine. Reach thou for heaven with thy hands at once, or thou'lt find thy souls have beaten thy hands there. Thy command we shall obey. For the moment. That moment shall not end without my leave. Thou
9: horse and coxcomb, thou misshaped dick, What means this show of wrath? There is no need for bloody acts or genital insults. Put up thy guns. They're of no use to thee.
2: Of use they are against flesh and blood, my friend. And each of thee look like thou hast of both a most ample supply.
9: It is most true. On us effective would thy weapon be, if indeed thou hadst chance to use them.
3: Remove thy hand from those controls, my friend, or of our gun's effect thou
9: wilt soon learn. Shall we talk now or wait? For in a moment do I expect thy friends to arrive hither. What friends? Those thou hast left at yonder car.
3: If anything to Paula thou hast done.
9: Pray peace, good Jeff. Oh, I do assure you, no harm's come to her. What's thou care to see?
3: I tell thee, rogue, the next time thy hand moves, a target will I find that's more yielding than insensible vacuum tubes and dials.
9: Thou art a headstrong young man, by my troth. I but intended the televisor to activate, that thou might see her movements.
2: Do so. But, my friend, move most carefully.
3: Alack, upon the view screen I do see my wife, my darling Paula, in a swoon, and borne across the night blacked silent fields by a frightful
9: giant, thou alien fiend. I, a fiend! Thou slave, I am a soldier of my planet! I, a fiend! We came not in rancor but as friends! I, a fiend! We came but to parley, to ask thy aid! Our aid? I, thy aid for the whole great universe. But thy earth government still would refuse to even accept our mere existence. Nay, though they had seen our spacefaring ships, and heard our messages, they did
8: refuse. But why is so important, thou spaceman, that with the mighty governments of Earth thou shouldst communicate?
9: Because of death! Because all you of Earth are idiots! Peace, villain! To thine own peace, Earthling fool! First came thy firecracker, a harmless toy. Then came thy hand grenade, a weapon fierce came next the bomb, and still a larger bomb, which many people slaughters at a stroke, and then a bomb you made with hydrogen, to which explodes the very air itself. Now stand you ready to discover that which all the wide universe can destroy. Aye, human, thou dost stand upon the brink of discovering the Solaranite. Why, there is no such thing. Thou knowest it not, but it's been known to us for centuries. Thy scientists will soon stumble on it, but thy minds, so childish, are unprepared. Its strength, you Earthmen, will not comprehend until it is too late. I
8: pray thee, stay. We follow thee not, spaceman. What mean'st thou? The
9: Soleronite, an explosive is that, will the very sunlight detonate. Why, that's impossible. Impossible? Nay. It's inevitable. Thy scientists are working even now, on means to harness the rays of thine own sun. Is it so far from your imaginings, you earthling fools, that they might one day do as I suggest?
3: And if we should develop this great bomb, oh, what of that,
9: Twould make our nation stronger? Stronger? Tis your destruction, you fools, and ours too. You common cry of curs, whose breath I hate as Rico the Rotten Fens, whose worth I prize as the dead carcasses of unburied men that do corrupt my air. Stronger, you say, your stupid minds. Stupid, stupid, stupid.
3: Avant thou, villain, I shall stop thy mouth. Alas! Thou
2: fool, stay thy hand. I would hear his speech.
9: Because of men like you, violent and rash, must we destroy thy earth. It is not meet that we should longer tolerate the danger thou headstrong humans pose the universe. Thou refuseth to use thy God-given brains. Oh, speaks thou of God, thou unearthly devil? Think you it strange that we also think of God? You, Colonel... Who dost wear the uniform of your country? Look you, I also wear the uniform of the country I love. Aye, to get thee, we must drastic means. But in tempest and rocky shores must serve. For once thou hast the dread Solaranite, though nothing hast, and neither the universe.
8: Thou speakest of Solaranite, alien, but to us this is just a senseless word. What is this Solaranite that thou fierce, as though it were the very crack
9: of doom? Take thou a can of gasoline, the sun. Now spread you a thin line of gasoline from that can to a ball, which is the earth. That gasoline the sunlight represents as it streams from the can, the sun, to earth. Now drench the ball, the earth, in gasoline, which, as thou knowest, the sunlight represents.
8: Dost thou follow this tale? I am lost in it.
9: Now we put a flame to the ball, the earth. That flame will, with speed, travel round the earth, and thence along the line of gasoline, unto the can, the very sun itself. This can it will explode, and then will spread to every place that gasoline, or sunlight, doth touch. Explode the sunlight here, my friends, and thou dost the whole universe explode. Explode the sunlight here, and a reaction will occur direct to the sun itself. Was that the can? In faith I do not know. And from the sun, thence to every planet, this chain reaction of destruction speeds. All planets that the sunlight toucheth I, to every planet in the universe, this earth is why thou must stop it be, in friendly manner, or as it doth seem thou wantest it,
2: Alack, he's mad.
11: Is mad that thou destroyest other people to save thyselves? For this thou sure hast done. Is mad one country must destroy another to save itself? For this you've also done. How is my world mad to destroy thine, when thine, the very universe... Enough!
9: On my world, women do advance the race, not fight men's battles for them. Look you now. The Solaranite, we cannot allow thy scientists to discover. Earthmen, to keep thee from destroying all of space, we will, with pain, destroy thy backward race.
5: And now we return to the graveyard, where Patrolman Larry has arrived to aid Patrolman Kelton, who has only now begun to recover from the ghoul's horrible attack.
19: What hath
12: befallen here, thou drowsy fool? Well, wherefore, Larry, art thou alone? For when I sent my fearful summons hence, I asked
19: not for one man, but for battalions. Ay, Mary, so you did, but you did sound as though you'd drunk a full measure of wine. Say, Kelton, art thou hurt? Who did strike thee? Inspector Clay. How oh, go to, thou fool, go to.
12: Upon my life it was Inspector Clay, though much change it from how he was in life.
19: Fie. Next shall thou tell me that thou didst see a skeleton come rattling from the grave. We did. Alas, he's mad. The Lady Trent, she's gone. We must
12: find her. To guard the lady was my solemn charge. But Clay, like Lazarus from out the tomb, did from this graveyard shamble and attack. Peace, break thee off. Look
19: where it comes again. Angels and ministers of grace, defend us. Looks it not like dead Clay? Mark it, Larry. Most like. It
12: harrows me with fear and wonder. And there, in its foul grasp, lies Lady Trent. Good Kelton, let us unsheathe our firearms. Nay, bullets will not stop these walking dead. A most grave proof I've had of this tonight. O Larry, how are we mortals to kill that which is dead already, but the grave, unsatisfied, cast up again to earth?
19: And yet the fair lady must be rescued. By mass, I have a plan. Good Kelton, list... Unto yon ghoul I will stealthily creep, and then, being concealed behind his bulk, his head I'll batter in with mine truncheon. I'm fleet of foot, and clay, even in life, could ne'er keep pace with me. Thus will I run, and he follow. Thou, Kelton, seize the girl. Girl? She's thirty-eight. Once thou hast the lady, Trent, do thou run, too, as far away, good Kelton, as thou canst. Thinkest thou this will work? I have no other plan. Come, Kelton and let us to it pell-mell. If not to heaven, then hand in hand to hell. Oh, I am slain. Well, that was easy.
12: My good lady Trent, art thou yet living? Art thou in good health? Yea, I
16: yet live. Do thou look to the others.
19: O Kelton, let us go the others find. Thus bad begins, and worse remains behind.
0: And now a brief and historic word from our sponsors. Edward Wood's The Tragical History of Plan the Nine will be back right after these Elizabethan messages.
3: And now, a word from Lord Charlatan Montebank.
18: <clears throat> Attend me, gentles. My name is Lady. Er. Lord Charlatan Montebank of Shamsbury, Tunshirewich, Upon Itchen. And I'm here to tell you about this miraculous new cleaning solution, Hogwash. Yes, Charlatan's genuine Hogwash saw clean and disinfect your pig until its bristles glisten and gleam. So immaculate you could eat off of it. <coughs> You can even use it to get your dirty, dirty oxen clean.
13: I'll take a flask.
18: Don't be swindled by snake oil salesmen. Keep your snake's dry flaky scales moisturized by lubing it up with Monty Banks' authentic, tubular reptilian unguent, made with only the purest serpent lard. Here, here! And of course, I have a fine stock of bona fide bull Mm. Rub it on your postulating buboes as a curative paste or eat it as a nutritious meat substitute. But why take me at me word? Listen to these completely legitimate testimonials. Oh, uh, I'm quite satisfied with this bullsh**. Hey,
15: that's just you doing a silly voice, and you're clearly a woman. This
13: isn't genuine hogwash at all.
18: Uh, <laughs> parting is such sweet sorrow.
17: Hey, get that Charlton montebite! Let's get that. Yeah, get that
13: and Don't let him or her get away.
3: The next time you travel to Denmark, and you need a place to stay with your friend Mark, Uh, Mark. stay with ghostly kings who died and want revenge for regicide at the Denmark Hotel.
20: Uh, Hello, has your father recently died under mysterious circumstances and
3: also he was a king? Or maybe you're planning a romantic honeymoon getaway with a certain
20: sexy sister-in-law of yours? (laughs) Then stay at the Denmark Hotel and discover what it means to be or not to be
3: pampered. All of our rooms include spectral manifestations of your recently deceased loved ones, ready to dole out advice or simply demand vengeance from beyond the grave. Our wine cellar is restocked monthly with mostly poison-free vintages and we have recently installed chainmail in all of the curtains and drapes for your eavesdropping pleasure. Every morning we serve a complimentary breakfast but of course we only have Danish. (laughs) That's just a little joke we like to make but seriously we only have Danish. So, if you're looking for the getaway of a lifetime and you're not Norwegian, come stay at the Denmark Hotel. (laughs) Something is convenient in the state of Denmark. Stay with ghostly kings who died and want revenge for regicide at the Denmark Hotel. Shriek, scream, howl!
7: This week on the all-new season finale of The Bachelor King. King Henry VIII, only two wives remain of the original six. You can only choose one to be your next queen. The other will be eliminated and beheaded like the other four contestants. To whom will you give the Tudor Rose, sire? Catherine Howard or Catherine Parr? It's been a hard choice, but I have decided.
13: I choose you, Catherine.
18: Which one? Me or her? Catherine. We're both named Catherine. Uh... Uh,
13: the,
7: uh, the, the pale
18: one. We're both pale!
7: You have to choose one, sire. But will it be the rose without a thorn? Or will it be par for the course? Uh, Catherine!
18: Ah, oh, that's me, that's me! Hey, wait!
7: Sorry, Catherine. It looks like you are now an ex-wife. Or should I say, axe-wife.
18: Ah! Oh. oh, your majesty. You've made me the happiest woman in the world.
7: Yes, my dear. Behead her, too.
18: Wait, no!
7: Ah! Be sure to join us as we host another batch of six hapless women for next season's The Bachelor King.
15: Good morrow. I'm Celebrity Scullery made Lady Boolean Childs, and I'm here to tell you about my new oh-so-convenient instant pie kits. This next one is a doozy. Four and twenty blackbirds pie. It's a recipe from my lauder, prepared for the severed head of Sir Thomas More, who did love his spice. You might say he was a man for all seasonings. <laughs> Each handy dandy pie kit arrives at your manor house via donkey cart, laden with fresh ingredients. In the kit, you'll find all the accoutrements of a modern kitchen, an iron pot for simmering meats, 20 large flying pans, a dozen large casks, 50 small casks, 60 wooden mixing bowls, a grill, six large graters, 20 iron shovels, a rotisserie, and a cage full of chirping, happy, very much alive, four and 20 blackbirds. To whip up this pike kit, simply reach into the cage and firmly grasp the neck of each blackbird. Put it under a broom handle or similar, stand on the handle, grab the bird's body, and give it a good yank to wring its neck. After a bit of flapping and flailing about, just pluck and debone these once-singing birds and prop them in the crust as you would with any old pie. You'll be singing songs of sixpence all week long. We now have kits available in new flavors, like peacock and eel. So order your Instant Pie kit today. This is Lady Booley and Child saying, dig
18: in!
1: You are listening to a holiday special presentation of Edward Woods, The Tragical History of Plan the Nine, Part The Two, from the Independence Broadcasting System. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at IBS. And now we return to our regularly scheduled program.
5: Meanwhile, in the spaceship.
9: Thy men have felled my giant. This can be only because the electrode ray is turned off. When I do turn it on, he'll walk again, and yonder's the control.
2: Do stay thy damned hand, thou naughty villain. We'll now deliver thee unto the law. And may the heavy hand of justice fall, for thy foul crimes still heavier on thee.
9: The devil damn thee black, thou cream-faced loon. I'll not be ta'en.
5: Eros manages to push Harper away, but Jeff Trent advances on him and the two begin to fight, neither giving quarter.
9: Despair and die, thou creature from the stars! Oh, death come to us all! Lay on, Earth-Guy, and cursed be he who first for mercy cries.
5: With Eros and Jeff locked in combat, Tana races to the controls to try and start the ship's mighty engines as Harper and Edwards run to the door. But they can't escape! It's locked.
8: Do open thou the portal, Lieutenant.
2: Alack, these many and varied switches do quite confound my brain. Oh, which one is Oh, Eros,
11: be thou valiant and fight on. In moments time, I'll have us in the air.
5: Jeff lands a mighty haymaker on Eros's jaw. The alien staggers backwards, crashing into a control panel, which ruptures and explodes. <laughs> Alack! This mighty ship is all aflame! Meanwhile, Colonel Edwards has at last found the proper control to unlock the door.
8: Oh, fly, Jeff! Fly! The ship shall soon be burnt!
5: Come, Colonel! Let's away!
3: Say, spaceman, art thou hungry? Here's thy lunch, a sandwich made of knuckles.
9: Alack! I stagger back into the flames! Oh! I am slain!
3: And so the spaceman vanquished. Now I flee. Oh, Jeff,
2: thou scaped betimes! For see, the ship with fiery roar slips
3: surly bonds of earth. Into the sky it goes, but all aflame. Sure mortal is the wound it has been dealt. Come, let us to a safe distance withdraw.
5: Meanwhile, in the spaceship, Tana struggles with the controls. Although the ship is airborne, the fire is spreading.
11: Oh, arrows, wake! For everything's on fire! Like blazing meteor, our ruined ship doth counterfeit the sun in blackest night. My love, awake! By Neptune, canst not hear?
5: Receiving no response, Tana goes to kneel by Eros's body.
11: Awake, Eros, awake! The ship's aloft, but look you, the controls are smashed, my love, and thus we fall like a stone to the earth. Oh, Eros, wake! For if we don't prevent that horrid crash, a ship shall sure explode. Awake, I say! Awake ye not, my love! Has thy dear spirit shaken off thy frame? Oh, very well then, I shall follow thee. Enough of this. Let comfort no man speak. Let's talk of graves, of worms and epitaphs. Make dust our paper and with rainy eyes write sorrow on the bosom of the earth. Let's choose executors and talk of wills. And yet not so, for what can we bequeath save our exploded bodies to the air? for god's sake let us crash into the ground and tell sad stories of the death of oh! i am slain
5: our scene now moves outside to the graveyard a flying saucer bedecked with gaily colored paper so as to make it look all aflame is lowered on a wire from above it flies as though in distress then the wire is let go, and the saucer falls to the ground as though it has crashed. The effect is flawless. Enter Lieutenant Harper, Colonel Edwards, Jeff and Paula Trent, Patrolman Kelton and Patrolman Larry, standing round the fallen body of clay and watching as the saucer crashes.
8: Look where yon saucer falls in fiery plumes, to the unyielding earth!
5: I
2: do wonder if this is the last we will see of them.
16: Their ship exploded. That seems pretty final.
8: Oh, this is but a season of peace, lady. For sooner or late, their brethren will arrive. If it be not now, it is yet to come.
5: Oh, see!
19: Oh, see this ghastly sight, my lords!
5: Patrolman Larry lifts the coat from Clay's body, revealing a skeleton. Good Clay. May thy dear
2: spirit rest in peace. O God, the like weight from his soul do lift, as this defleshing to his body did.
19: Aye, amen.
16: But what of that ghoul in a woman's shape, then lady to this bleached bone lord, hath she been apprehended? Forsooth she's right. There's yet another ghoul.
8: Peace, Harper, for I think it very like to bones she's been reduced like this one here. Without the ship and ray, these ghoulish things return again to dust from whence they came. Thus this business is well ended, and yet, perchance it's ended not so well, for we ignore their direful warnings at our cost. I do regret me now these spacemen's death. For sure, full far ahead of us they were. Their fiery rays, their great space-faring ships that float upon the very air itself, And make the cosmos little. And yet we, with overweening pride, do think us large, When to this mighty species we are but as ants who do toil in their hill, Unthinking of greater world beyond that mound of dust. And though as ants are we to they, good souls, They did try to approach us first in peace. And we, with war shows, answered them, Thus we, yet a babe in the vast cosmos, like sinful child who heeds his father not, have to our elders done much disrespect. Oh, may that ancient race yet forgive us, and we study deserving at their hands. For sure, they have the wisdom of the stars. We fool earthmen, whose planet is yet young, shall never see so much, nor live so long.
5: Criswell. What? Epilogue. Epilogue, damn it.
6: Oh, now you need me?
5: Just get out there and do the f***ing epilogue.
6: Fine, fine, keep your shirt on. I was barely even in this f***ing part and now he wants me to make with the blank verse, son of a A glooming peace this morning with it brings, the sun for sorrow will not show his head. Go hence to have more talk of these strange things. Some have been rescued, others exploded. Wouldst thou, good gentles, call this tale a lie? Or canst thou that it didn't happen prove? I pray you gentles disbelief defy, and in thy sweet belief let thou be moved. For if my tale on disbelievers' fall, that in the future, God do help us all.
0: And now a brief and historic word from our sponsors. Edward Woods' The Tragical History of Plan the Nine will be back right after these Elizabethan messages.
19: Uh, hi everybody, uh, Walter the Mucker here, and I'm having a, a blowout sale. If you hurry in now, you can get this genuine bucket of offal. It's it's not very good offal. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but th- but there's uh, there's there's some stuff in here you might be able to use. Uh, let's take a look here. Okay, we've got uh, got some frog intestines. We, we we got a sheep lung. It's uh. It's an old sheep lung. It's pretty dry. Probably not good for anything really. Yeah, 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 forget the sheep lung. Uh, we got a, we got a cow uterus that's pretty fresh. Um, a a whole left arm, that's not bad. Uh, we got the jawbone of a murderer. He's, he's not one of the good murderers, sorry. He's actually just a horse murderer. But, but he was a murderer technically so if you got uh, I don't know some some spells to cast this will probably work for you uh I'll sell you the whole bucket for uh oh god what do you think's fair uh, a pittance is is that an actual uh, unit of currency ah, hell who am I getting uh, half a pittance and, and tell you what come on down and and take this off my hands and I'll throw in a a half-used tube of Montebank's authentic uh, tubular reptilian unguent. It's, uh, it's expired unguent. Uh, but, but, but it doesn't taste metallic, so it hasn't turned yet. Uh, probably good for, oh, another month or so. 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 So come on down to Walter the Muckers, where quality is our watchword. It, it is? Is that our watchword now?
21: Don't let a loved one suffer a terrible fate from producing the Scottish play. You know, the jinxed one with ghosts and witches and a bloody dagger. Hi, I'm Malcolm Macduff, barrister and tragedian at law. You should not have to suffer all the double, double toil and trouble associated with this unlucky play. If you can't lift the curse, then why not fill your purse? I've helped several theater troupes get the full settlement they deserve. Whether your prepubescent boy playing Lady M broke his leg, your actors accidentally killed each other for real during the onstage saw fight, or class riots resulted in your theater burning down, I will fight for you.
19: When our set designer killed himself before opening night, I called Malcolm McDuff. I yelled, "Oi, McDuff, across the lane. He got us 100,000 sovereigns. Then our leading man died in an instant pie kit donkey cart accident on the way home from the cast party. So I called Macduff again, and we got another hundred thousand. Finally, as the stage manager, I got goiters in me throat. So I threw a small pebble at Macduff's law office window. That got his attention. My assistant had to call all my cues for the rest of the run. But Malcolm Macduff still came through for me.
21: By the pricking of my thumbs, don't let something wicked your way come. As sure as Burnham Wood moves up the Dunsinane Hill, call me now at my law offices, located at 555 Macbeth Lane, and you'll get the money. You did...
20: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your... uh your ears for a minute hi this is antonio the merchant of value i forgot to mention that and this weekend the merchant of value galleria is having its grand opening at stratford upon avon and gee i'd sure like you to be there we have so many wonderful stores here let's see you can get a pound of flesh from dick the butcher or why not get a very palpable hit at the very palpable hit hemp shop and then grab some munchies at prince harry's saint crispin day crisps or Take a little nap at Anne Hathaway's second best ha. <laughs> she hates that actually. Uh, <clears throat> at Bottom's Half Asses, they got those half human, half donkey hybrids. Everyone's talking about. You'll bet your bottom dollar. Those things give me the willies actually. Check out all the latest fashions for men and women at Dolores Angora, or drop off your dry cleaning at Maggie Clithero's Express Laundry and Witch Pressing prospero alchemy is the place for always low prices on out darn spot remover uncle claudius's specially medicated ear drops caesar's back and chest pain relief gel and this weekend only buy one get one on papis pyro burning fuel and if you're into fine cuisine we have that restaurant modern times it's just like medieval times except no one jousts and everybody eats with forks it's a weird kind of place i guess and we're putting in celebrity scullery-made Lady Bully and Child's new hibachi-style restaurant. So if you like seeing live animals maimed and dismembered right in front of you for several hours, then, then that is the place for you, let me tell you. So again this weekend, it's the big grand opening at Merchant of Value Galleria, where now is always the winter of our discount event.
7: I'm Urge Graf, Renaissance Goldsmith, Painter, printmaker, and woodcutter. And I'll etch anything you'd like to put down on wood this Sunday at the Ramada Mater Court, just off Kings Highway 7, south of Hampshire, Sussex. Finally, fine artwork that you can afford to put in your hovel. Literally starving artist prices. Seriously, I haven't eaten in a fortnight. So if you know fine art, or how to identify someone going through the final stages of starvation, Meet me this Sunday, only cash accepted, no checks, because what the hell's a bank? That's happening this Sunday at the Ramada Court. High quality alert that almost anybody can afford. This Sunday at the Ramada Court, Be there, 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 there. What,
13: what does, does my future, my future hold? hold?
7: Will I become a famous actor?
11: Oh shall my kids become? Hey,
13: will, hey, will be a reality a a TV star, star become leader of the world? world? We all have questions, questions of the future and the secrets beholden to that future. I provide the elucidation. Hello weary pilgrim, my name is Nostradamus Blackwell. My profession thus be a soothsayer. I can help you discover the fate of your future. My method is simple, I imbibe whiskey till I am in my cups. Then the gossamer wings of fate whisper thine future and what it shall bring. Nostradamus Blackwell I am, and your future I shall tell.
1: You are listening to a holiday special presentation of Edward Woods, The Tragical History of Plan the Nine, Part the Two, from the Independence Broadcasting System. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at IBS. And now we return to our regularly scheduled program.
4: Thank you for tuning in to Opus Odeon, the show for amusing the unwashed proletariat with something other than the lowest common denominator. We need your Nielsen ratings for audience share, but we don't much care for you. You've been listening to The Tragical History of Plan the Ninth Part Two. This radio play was adapted by Greg S. Talley and Ryan D. Smith from the theatrical play The Tragical History of Plan the Ninth by Ryan D. Smith. Back to you, Ryan. Thank you, Chetley. Based upon
5: the motion picture, Plan Nine from Outer Space By Edward D. Wood Jr., and the collected works of William Shakespeare. Dramatization produced and directed by
4: Greg Talley, Rob Maynard, and Ryan Smith. Back to you, Chetley. Voice Talent Announcer 1, Jackie Naaman Jones. Announcer 2, Tanya Atomic. Chetley Bricklestick, Natalie Ryan. Colonel Ryan D. Smith, Greg Talley. Criswell, Troy Schultz. Jeff Trent, Rob Maynard. Paula Trent, Rebecca Heron, Danny, Darren Helwig, Eros, Dana Gould, Tana, Jamie Flowers-Ashley, Edith, Quinn Keating, Old Old Man, Ryan D. Smith, Young Old Man, Ron McAdams, Vampyra, Rachel Jackson, Inspector Clay, Ryan D. Smith, Lieutenant Harper, Frank Dietz, Patrolman Larry, Ryan D. Smith, Patrolman Kelton, Ben Hasler, Patrolman Jamie, Willie Golden, Colonel Edwards, Paul Der General Roberts, Ron McAdams, Ruler, Tim Blaney, First Sexton, Ron McAdams, Second Sexton, Ryan D. Smith, Reverend Lynn Lemon, James Young, Farmer, Ian Morrison, Operator, Ben Hasler First Mourner Ryan D. Smith Second Mourner Kate Page Soldier Ian Morrison Messenger Ben Hasler Back to you, Ryan. Thank you, Chetley.
5: Music and sound supervision by Greg Talley. Original Foley art and music by Rob Maynard. Audio editing by Ryan Smith. Plan the Nine theme song by Storm de Costanzo. Additional music, Sting and Bumps by Storm DiCostanzo. Vintage commercials produced by Ron McAdams. Vintage commercials written and performed by Jackie Naaman Jones, Ron McAdams, James Rowling, Natalie Ryan, Quinn Keating, Rob Maynard, Erica Rodriguez Hilton, Corey Hilton, Ryan Smith, Dina Dolphin, and Greg Talley. Back to you, Chetley.
4: Thank you, Ryan. Radio Play Text Copyright 2018 by Ryan Smith and Greg Talley. Commercial Text Copyright 2018 by Jackie Naaman-Jones, Ron McAdams, James Rowling, Natalie Ryan, Quinn Keating, Rob Maynard, Erica Rodriguez-Hilton, Corey Hilton, Dina Dolphin, Ryan Smith, and Greg Talley. Stage Play Copyright 2018 by Ryan D. Smith. Back to you, Ryan. Thank you, Chetley. Production
5: copyright 2018 by Jefferson Hospitality, LLLP. Promotional artwork by Ryan Smith and Greg Talley. For further inquiries about performing either play or radio play of the tragical history of Plan the Ninth, please contact plantheninth at gmail.com. That's P-L-A-N-T-H-E-I-X at Gmail com. Back to you, Chetley. No, that's pretty much it. Well, don't they usually have an after-credit sequence here like Pixar or Marvel?
4: I suppose they do and I suppose it should be something Edwardian. Yeah, that really would put a nice big bow on everything. I was in my drama and poetry club in high school. Let's end with one of Ed Wood's love sonnets. I'm a little rusty, but I was always a huge fan of Sonnet 73. That is a good one. Okay, here goes nothing. That time of play thou mayest in this behold, When fellow ears or none or few do hang, Upon the words still left against the script, Bear ruined verse, where late the listener strove. In this thou seest the twilight of such play, As credit sequence fadeth in the west, Which by and by full bladder doth take away, Dullness very self that screws up all in jest. In this thou seest the waning of much regard, that on the ashes of podcast doth lie, as deathbed whereon it must expire, consumed with that which it was nourished by. This thou perceivedst which makes thy ennui strong, to end the script which thou must leave ere long. Makes me tear up every time. What do you think? You stumbled. Your inflection was flat.
5: It didn't scan. It certainly wasn't funny. Nobody is listening anymore, anyway. The effect was flawless.
4: F off! The tragical history, plan the
3: ninth.